N-Track Connect is an initiative of Core to Ed. This podcast is supported by an independent educational grant from Bayer. The views in this podcast are the personal opinions of the experts. They do not necessarily represent the views of the experts' academic institution or the rest of the N-Track Connect group. For expert disclosures on any conflict of interest, please visit the Core to Ed website. Today with Andrea, we are going to go through the diagnosis and treatment of NTREC fusion positive GI cancers. Andrea, what are the uh, NTREC genes and what about the NTREC fusion? Why are they so interesting to look at in GI cancers? Yes, thank you, Frédéric. And indeed, uh, we know that gene fusion can be driver of oncogenesis, but it is now uh, when we are seeing very important advances in clinical sequencing technologies that we are aware of new and known drivers uh, that are continue to be discovered across a variety of cancer, in- including uh, GI cancer. Uh, so some of these drivers are indeed recurrent gene fusions, uh, and this can involve the NTRAC genes, that are present across multiple cancer types and very importantly from a clinical standpoint are amenable to uh, pharmacological inhibition. In particular, NTRAC1 uh, was first identified uh, as an oncogen in the, in the 80s and this actually happened exactly in a tumor specimen from a colorectal cancer. Now we know that the family of TRAC receptor consists of three receptors, TRAC-A, TRAC-B and TRAC-C. Uh, these are transmembrane proteins. TRAC-A is encoded by the TRAC-1 gene located on chromosome 1, TRAC-B on chromosome 9, and TRAC-C on chromosome 15. Importantly, each of these uh, TRAC receptors consists of an extracellular domain can, that can be inhibited indeed by a specific drug, a transmembrane region, and then an intracellular region containing the uh, tyrosine kinase domain. The TRAC receptors are activated by a family of four proteins that are called neurotrophins, and these play an important role in the development and function of the nervous system, including memory formation uh, and retention, nociception, and also proprioception. Now, what happens is that in some tumors, this NTRAC protein can be altered because there are gene fusion that can take place, with a region of the NTRAC gene becoming joined with a fusion partner gene, either by intrachromosomal or interchromosomal rearrangement. So the result is a fusion gene encoding a protein with a constitutive tyrosine kinase domain activity that is ligand-independent and, de- and therefore has an interrupted downstream signaling messages that promotes cell proliferation and survival. There are many fusion partner genes identified so far, but what is important is that that fusion protein can be, uh, again, pharmacologically blocked by specific inhibitor to treat our patients. So, Andrea, if in the lab we have a positive result for an uh, NTREC uh, gene fusion, so NTREC1 or NTREC3, what are the treatment options for those patients today? We have several NTRAC inhibitors. Uh, some are in development, but uh, most importantly, we have two of these uh, that are approved for treatment of NTRAC positive cancer. And this independent of a tumor type in, in what we call the histology agnostic indication. So larotrectinib has been the first in 2018 to obtain this indication. And it is a, a potent and selective inhibitor of all three TRAC proteins. 
And we have also entrectinib that obtained approval in 2019 by FDA. Both the drugs are orally uh, inhibitors, and also entrectinib is an orally in inhibitor that is a pan-track inhibitor of all track proteins, uh, with some additional activity also against ROS1 and ALK. So these are the drugs that we can use to treat patients uh, found positive with uh, uh, entrafusions. But the problem for me is that those fusions are extremely rare. And it's uh, very complicated to be sure that we, we don't miss any patient. So um, we have several methods that have been developed to find uh, TREC fusion positive tumors. One of the me methods will be immunostochemistry. Because when we have these uh, fusion genes, we have an increase in the protein uh, expression. So um, this is something that can be implemented uh, locally in any, uh, any lab, but it should be a reflex test and it's not always possible uh, in terms of resources. And it's also something that we, a pathologist has to keep in mind. Then we can look at uh, the uh, rearrangement by uh, fish. Here again, it's a technology that, uh, that is implemented in many pathology labs, but it's not a reflex test uh, per se for NTREC in, uh, in, in, in those tumor types. It's something that we use in, in specific tumor types like uh, secretory breast cancer or um, uh, mammary uh, analog salivary gland because it's part of the diagnosis, but for the other type, we are not... Uh, using fish so frequently. Um, we have other possibilities with RT-PCR, for instance, where we have already some tests that have been designed, but they are limited by the partners that, are, that have been chosen uh, to look at NTREC. So we can miss some of those, those extremely rare alterations. So at least we need to look at NTREC1 and NTREC3 because we know that NTREC2 is extremely rare, uh, alteration in NTREC2, and, and they are mainly uh, in the central nervous system. And then we are, we are going to look at the more frequent partners, but we can, as I said, miss some some them. And so that's why NGS is for me the best technology. And then it will depend for colorectal cancer if uh, in the routine and in the reimbursement policy of the country, NGS is reimbursed or not for colorectal cancer because we have already several alterations to screen for colorectal cancer, uh, RAS alteration, BRAF, looking at MSI, looking at ER2. So maybe, at least in, in my institution, we use NGS for those patients. But if we don't need NGS, maybe we will have to do some triaging, at least for colorectal cancer, because uh, um, we, we have some data now uh, showing that in colorectal cancer, probably the overall prevalence of uh, NTREC uh, fusions is extremely low. It's probably around 0 0.25, 0 0.5, but not more than that. And But what we know is that it's more frequently in the right colon, can be found in, in tumors with poor differentiation, mucinous or uh, signaturing uh, cells or solid patterns. So we have some uh, cases like that. And probably the most important is that it's more frequently found in uh, the tumors with microsatellite instability. Also, the uh, NTREC gene fusions, they are uh, usually found uh, in uh, cases where we don't have other 
uh, gene alteration, driver's alteration. So they are exclusive, supposedly exclusive of, of Haas alteration or BRAF alteration. So we could think about a kind of triaging uh, using a, a, a way of an ex exclusionary testing screening for NTREC gene fusion in MSI high uh, DMMR and BRAF uh, wild-type colorectal uh, cancer, for instance. And here we have data showing that in this kind of uh, population, we can have up to 15% of NTREC gene fusions. Uh, so this could be a way of uh, looking at, at that, and it's already in some algorithm, like the recently published algorithm by uh, the, the, the Canadian uh, Oncology Group. And with this strategy, you are only going to narrow the population to screen to maybe 5% of metastatic patients. So RAS, BRAF, wild-type, MSI high, and DMMR. And here maybe we have a better chance to find that. But from my personal experience, we had cases MSI high, BRAF mutated with NTREC1 gene fusion, and we also have one case with Kiras mutation. So if it's possible, if we have enough resources, I think it could be interesting to consider NTREC fusion uh, testing also, in uh, microsatellites uh, stable, PMMR, RAS-BRAS wild-type patients, but it's a larger population, but it's only if resources will permit it. So, Andrea, what is your point of view? Do you uh, recommend testing uh, and, uh, in the MSI high group, or do you think we, we also need to enlarge to the other tumor type? What are, what are you doing in your, uh, in your clinic uh, every day? Yes, Frederic, indeed, uh, as you said, that these are very rare alterations to find. And the thing of having now uh, an enriched population that, as you said, is MSI high and RAS and BRAF well type is very helpful. So what we are doing is to test for and track uh, all patients in, in this category. Um, of course, it would be desirable also to have data about all other cancer patients. And from this point of view, you know, having an NGS testing at the beginning of the therapeutic history can be helpful. Of course, there are some barriers for reimbursement of having NGS in all our, of our patients, but I think that this is something that we have to implement in the future, also for GI cancer, especially colorectal cancer. Also, from a diagnostic point of view, I think that uh, also liquid biopsy uh, will be in the future something helpful because we know that at least we can monitor treatment with NTRAC inhibitor through this method. Of course, this should be regarded so far as uh, experimental and, and to be developing clinical research. But uh, again, uh, as for all target therapies, I think that also liquid biopsy can provide clinicians with important information about mechanism of resistance and how to overcome these mechanisms. Andrea, with two drugs being available to target and track uh, fusion-positive colorectal cancer, what do you do in your practice? What are the data today that we have for, uh, for those uh, tumor types? Yes, and we know indeed that uh, uh, we have uh, effective inhibitors and we have, uh, you know, data of entractin and larotractin in, in all tumor types in the, in the histology agnostic indication. 
So for example, we have data of larotrectinib from the joint analysis of phase one, two, and three trial in, in, uh, in pediatric and adult patients. And we know that with this treatment, you can achieve high response rate, 75% and durable responses. Now, what is interesting, I think also for this podcast, is that we have now updated data regarding the, the GI oncology space. Uh, because at the recent uh, World Congress on Gastrointestinal Cancer, updated data be presented from uh, this trial joint by Dr. Boni. And um, there is an analysis in 18 patients with the GI tumors. So the majority were um, colorectal cancer. And uh, as, as we noted uh, before, uh, these were mainly uh, MSI high patients. So seven out of 10 were MSI uh, patients. But there were also other histotype other than colorectal, like uh, cholangiocarcinoma and pancreatic and appendiceal cancer. So a, a variety of tumor. So what is interesting is that also in this population, you have a high response rate. Uh, and uh, this is uh, in pretreated patients. So uh, it is of note that you have a high response rate in pretreated and, and also durable responses because we, uh, there, there were partial responses and also complete responses in this, in this patient population. And again, also that the tolerability was uh, as expected, mostly grade one and two when no new signals or warring signals were reported in this analysis. Uh, as for the other uh, compound and tractinib, um, data were those presented last year at, at World Cancer Gastrointestinal Cancer uh, in GI tumors. Uh, also here we have a, a subset from uh, a joint analysis of phase one and two data. In this case, uh, we have data from 12 patients with positive uh, uh, GI tumors. And also here, uh, a high response rate and durable response have, have been noted in this cohort. Of course, uh, as you know, as, as for all target therapies, the, the paramount problem uh, for uh, achieving long-lasting results is, is secondary resistance, acquired resistance. And we know that this takes place uh, um, in, in the, in, under this therapeutic blockade, mainly through on-target mechanisms. And of course, this is the, the, the main problem to overcome to obtain uh, durable responses. Actually, we reported uh, in, in uh, 2016 the first case of a patient treated uh, in my institution with a LMNA and track uh, rearranged colorectal cancer with a secondary resistance. And in this case, indeed, a, a secondary mutation in the kinase domain of track A was uh, observed. And interestingly, we, we monitored this resistant mutation also in the blood through liquid biopsy. Also, I think an interesting uh, question to you, Frederic, is from a biological point of view, based on this mechanism of resistance, uh, what is the, the, the situation in, uh, for, for these inhibitors in, in all cancer and also GI tumors, of course? I think here we have uh, really the best indication for liquid biopsy because it's non-invasive and we know that at least for NTREC, most of the alterations are uh, on target. And uh, what have been described so far, most of them are mutation in, um, in track genes. So um, this is really a very uh, good way to monitor res resistance and to have a very early detection of a possibility of resistance. Of course, we all know the limitation of quid biopsy. So uh, if it's negative and, and uh, we tr truly have a, prog a clinical progression, we need to perform a tissue biopsy to uh, uh, evaluate whether we have or not a mutation. And maybe we can uh, 
try to find for those patients uh, if we have uh, other therapeutic options uh, for them to fight this, uh, this, this resistance mutations. So, Frédéric, based on, on what we said, uh, what is your uh, conclusions about intrafusion uh, fusion testing and, and treatment in, uh, in GI tumors? So for me, the take-home message is not to miss any patient. So um, as we are now routinely performing uh, MMR uh, testing by immunostochemistry, if we have a DMMR profile, it, it's really easy to perform um, an immunostochemistry uh, test looking at the uh, TREC proteins. And uh, if we have an overexpression, then we can we can look at the gene by uh, NGS or by fish. So it would be my my first message if we have a DMMR profile and if we know that the patient is not Kiras and BRAF mutated, we really need to reflex this immunostochemistry. Andrea, what is your take-home message from the oncologist's point of view? Yes, Frederick, I, I think uh, um, you said it is very important, and I agree. I very much agree not to miss uh, any patients. Um, I think that overall, uh, testing for intrafusion fusion is a, an important opportunity, in, in, for example, in colorectal cancer, because we have a, a, a broad molecular segmentation now, but these are all very limited subset of patients. So it's very important to push uh, to find this patient for uh, a, a therapeutic blockade that proved to be very effective. And also having this enrichment in the MSI high, MLH1 hypermethylated subpopulation is also important because in this case we have different therapies. We have also immunotherapy, but again, we at least we know how to, uh, to direct our diagnosis. And also in this patient population, it's a very important addition to the therapeutic armamentarium. Andrea, thank you very much for this uh, very lively discussion on uh, NTREC uh, fusion-positive uh, GI cancers. And uh, I hope, all of you, that you enjoyed uh, our discussion as much as we did. Thank you so much. This NTREC Connect podcast was brought to you by CoreToEd Independent Medical Education. Please visit coretoed.com for more information.